Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. Welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 59. Today we'll be talking with franchise attorney Josh Brown. He is the founder of a thriving national practice helping people make smart franchise and licensing decisions, identify good franchise systems, and work through franchise legal challenges. Good morning, Shai. Good morning, Craig. So, Shai, a lot of business owners are looking at ways of growing their business and which direction they're going to take, and what are you seeing out there? Well, you know, Craig, every business owner at some point is going to reach this decision of, do I continue to grow organically? Do I look to grow through acquisition? Or should I look at the franchise marketplace? Yeah, franchising is an option available to a lot of business owners, but getting in position to be able to have a franchise takes a lot of work. Yeah, it really does. And it's, you know, it's an option that's worth exploring, though, because when you think about it, some of the fundamentals of franchising really involve just getting your business in shape. Yeah, and always getting that business to be able to sell it. And I remember growing up, my mother was a real estate broker, and she always maintained that you maintain your home in a sellable condition. And how that bore out in our family was the house would be sold about every year, year and a half, right from under us. So we lived <laughs> we lived in a very uh, sellable condition, if you will. And a lot of businesses should be in the same way. So tell us how that worked out. So it was just sort of keeping your books in order, making sure everything was easy for a buyer to review. It all starts with maintaining the house in a physical, ready-to-sell condition, having all the documentation ready to be reviewed, and having all the licensing and contracting issues resolved way before even considering selling it. And so the sale goes rather rapidly because all of those conditions are in place. The same thing can be true of a business. Yeah, I mean, it's really you're protecting the value of your asset, right? So within the business, this is exactly what you and I work with all the time with business owners is how do I maximize the value of this thing that I'm creating, whether I want to keep it and run it forever or whether I do want to exit at some point. So really, when you look at franchising, whether you're asking yourself, do I have a business opportunity that's franchisable or whether you're evaluating a franchise as a potential franchisee as something that you could expand, you're going to be looking at exactly those things, right? Is this idea repeatable? Does it have good systems? How dependent will the business be on me? And how does this diversify my revenue? So it's really an exciting space to explore. Our guest today is Josh Brown, franchise attorney and founder of the National Law Offices of Josh F. Brown. Along with hosting his own podcast entitled Franchise Euphoria, he is recognized as a franchise legal eagle by the Franchise Times Media. Good morning, Josh. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's great. Josh, the topic of franchising. Obviously, franchising has been around for decades and even some evidence of it existing in ancient civilizations. How have you seen it evolve over the last 10 years? Well, really, I think that it's evolved in many ways, and many of the ways lead back to technology. 
I mean, no big surprise there. I think we've seen a big influx of mobile franchises. You know, when people think of franchises, the first thing people think of are, are McDonald's and Subway, but the Jimmy John's and, and restaurant space. I mean, these are brick and mortar businesses. And But the reality is this, is that franchising runs across our entire economy. There's not one sector that hasn't been franchised. And so it's made up of the largest percentage of restaurants, but certainly there's service businesses, B2B businesses, B2C businesses. And what you're seeing a lot of now uh, over the last 10 years is a big push for mobile, where folks can operate a franchise system and do it remotely. They don't have to take on the added expense of having a brick-or-mortar space. And a lot of times, they can get a vehicle or a fleet of vehicles and really do things in a mobile capacity. I think another big difference over the last 10 years, just as big or perhaps even bigger, is social media. Social media has caused a lot of headaches, I think, for franchisors and has provided a lot of opportunities for franchisees. But it really should provide opportunities for both. And let me just explain real quick. In any kind of franchise system, the franchisor, you know, the the business that turned their idea into a franchise and now goes out and wants to grow by acquiring franchisees, they want to have control over the process. They want to have control over the communications. And social media is a really challenging thing because while they want to have have control over that. They also, on a a visceral level, understand the importance of allowing franchisees to communicate. Because let's face it, the first thing people do when they go and search for something is they go online. And they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram, they're on Snapchat, you know, you name it, they're out there. And it's been sort of a tug and pull within the franchise systems as to how much leeway do franchisees have in the social media realm. And I'm certainly a big advocate that there needs to be reins put around it, but there also needs to be flexibility because if you have a good social media campaign, if you have a good content marketing strategy as a franchisee, you can really differentiate yourself from a lot of other franchise systems that just don't have that. So it's a great differentiator. And I've seen that as a big difference over the last 10 years. It's been a fast-moving environment and a lot of new controls and laws tuning to make it more stable, if you will, from the past. I'm sure there's some horror stories you've had. Oh, yeah. I mean, for sure. I mean, I'm dealing with several right now, frankly. When you deal with people who may not be a good fit for your system, and then they now have controls over social media, and it can lead to all sorts of problems. You know, the instant gratification of sending out a tweet or something really is a problem, especially when things go bad. It's a lot harder to control that. So it definitely can be definitely can be problematic, and I've seen that firsthand. Have you had any challenges recently that you could share with us? Yeah, I'm, you know, part of what I do is I help turn growing businesses into franchises. And I know that obviously with your audience, you guys are working with a lot of businesses and growing businesses. So this should resonate. But one thing that I found going through a scenario right now where you have a licensees or franchisees who were once part of a system and now they no longer are, whether they voluntarily left or whether they were pushed out for various reasons, and now trying to use social media as a way to really litigate the case, even though the case is in litigation. So that's a big problem that franchisors, particularly, you know, these young emerging franchisors, really need to be cognizant about. And really what it comes down to is making sure that as you're growing your business and as you're trying to bring on 
additional franchisees or additional folks into your business, it's so important to make sure that you have a clear idea of who they are. You know, what is the avatar for that person? I mean, the first 10 to 15 franchisees that you bring into your system are going to be so vital to the success of your franchise. There's never a guarantee for success, but certainly if you bring the right people on the bus, you certainly have a better chance of success. Unfortunately, in my arena, since I do do franchise litigation, I often see situations where people have a hot concept, it takes off, and their number one concern is, how can I get as many people as possible involved as quickly as possible? So they set up a franchise, They expand 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 franchisees. And then if they're not careful, all of a sudden the deficiencies in their system, because they've been focused on the growth and not necessarily on building a stronger foundation, all of a sudden the deficiencies become exposed. And when you multiply that over a number of franchisees in your system, you can have some real problems. And because it's not just one person, now it's 10 people, 15, 20 people. And I have seen, guys, some really great franchise systems go up in flames because they've been overly focused on the sales and haven't put enough into creating good foundational structures and operations and relationships and training and all that stuff that are foundational pieces to a good franchise system. So to that end, Josh, what can people do, you know, if they have a business and they think it might be franchisable at some point, what can they do to prepare their business? There's definitely several steps you can do. First, I always ask people is how many locations do you have? And if you're not a brick and mortar, how many people do you have working or how many trucks or vans do you have? Are you operating just one location or do you have multiple locations? It's usually eye-opening for businesses once they go from one to two locations how different that is. Because as an entrepreneur, you can only be in one place at a time. So it really highlights how good your systems are when you open a second location, because you have to rely so heavily on that because you can't be there all the time like you are with your original business. So the first thing that I look at is, you know, how many locations do you have? If you just have one, that's fine. But I usually recommend that you test out others first before you go to the franchise system. Number two is, do you have a federal trademark, a protected mark that is registered and that you're offering? And that's really, really important. A big part of what you're offering as a franchisor to franchisees is the idea of a brand. And so those are a couple of things. I've got a whole list. You know, my website, IndieFranchiseLaw.com, I actually have um, some free checklists. One of them is things to know before you franchise your business. And I go over some of this stuff if anybody wants to check out more of them. But there's a series of steps that I go through. But if I had to summarize it, it's really taking the business owner through the process and saying, what is your business going to look like if you multiply it versus in your single operation right now? Now, obviously, if the business already has a number of locations, they're ahead of the curve. And then if they already have a number of locations, then it's a matter of, do you have an operations manual? What are some of the challenges that you're dealing with with the multiple locations? Because at the end of the day, a great franchise system is really simple. And it's not simple in that it's, you know, stupid simple. It's just simple so that you can plug other people into it, provide them with a manual, provide them with training, and you can get them off and running. And what I find is there's a lot of great businesses out there that have great success. And with great success comes more opportunities. And sometimes those opportunities 
drown out what was the original great idea. And sometimes we work in turning a business into a franchise to say, what is the single great concept that you are franchising here? Because we need to keep it simple. We need to keep it simple so that it can be repeatable, so it can be process-oriented, and so you can have an opportunity to expand in a way where you're not recreating the wheel each and every time. Josh, a lot of business owners look at the business model of a franchise as a possible opportunity for growth. Give me some examples of some businesses that really aren't franchisable or should be considered as some other method of growth. Well, it's funny. If you think about it, I could probably name a a franchise business in almost every sector. I mean, I'm working on right now franchising a home builder. I mean, think about that. You don't think of, of home building as a franchise business, but it really can be if you are plugging in people who maybe have led construction teams and, and maybe they just don't have the know-how to own the business. So we're working on one like that, working on estate sales, right? Estate sales company. These are things that you may not naturally think of. What I tell people is sometimes people get confused with what franchising really is and what it isn't. So a lot of people will confuse franchising with licensing. And it's easy to confuse because a franchise is really just a super license. And so there's a lot of people who think they want to franchise. And then when I meet with them, what they really want to do is just license the use of a product or license the use of of intellectual property. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you're a gym owner, right? And you've developed this new program and you think you want to take that program, you've created it, you've put it into some sort of tangible form, you've named it, and now you want to give other gym owners from across the country the opportunity to license that use. That's a great thing. That probably shouldn't be franchised, right? That should just be a license where you kind of put together everything in a package and you have some training associated with it. You have the tools and now you're giving other people who are in that same space the opportunity to hopefully benefit their clientele and their geographic location. But you're doing it as a simple license, right? Yeah. Yeah. I I think the classic case of that has been CrossFit, right? In recent years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, CrossFit's a little bit unique, but that's a good point. A lot of times people say, well, what's the difference, right? You know, I'll do a lot of these reviews. I'll explain to people what the differences are. And really, when you think about a franchise, there's really three basic elements that make it up. You're giving somebody the opportunity to use your brand in exchange for a fee and under some sort of operating or management plan. And so with many licensing deals... If you're having somebody license some sort of gym program that you have, you know, for lack of a better term, you're not asking them to change their gym name. It's just they're licensing the use of that product. And for a lot of people, that's an exceptionally good way to expand. And so going into the franchise realm might not work as well. For licensing a business instead of fully franchising a business, first of all, it's definitely less upfront expense. And certainly there's less restrictions both federal and state restrictions. And so for a lot of people, it's just an easier road where they want to license the use of a product. But even in more traditional spaces like restaurants, I mean, there's a whole lot of restaurant owners that that want to stay away from franchising. And part of that is, is they just don't want to trust other people to come into that system as franchisees. They want to, even though a franchise system has a tremendous amount of controls, they want to control everything and they would rather just grow themselves 
and have employees, have managers and general managers and so forth around location. There's nothing to say that one is better than the other. But the thing that I find with a lot of folks who, who like the idea of franchising is that even though there is an upfront cost to set it up and to make sure that you're properly set up to do it and registered and, and so forth, you're really, at the end of the day, using other people's money to help grow your business. I mean, you're putting together this concept and you're having somebody else in some separate territory, some separate location buy into your business, and then they hire the employees. They oversee the employees. And so you as the franchisor are just really overseeing the franchise system. Well, for a lot of people, that's really attractive. But for other people, it's kind of scary and they have no desire to do it. But here's one thing I know for sure is I'm a firm believer that even if you never want to become a franchise, you should run your business like a franchise. Because one thing we know is that the good franchise businesses are very process-oriented. They have the systems, they have the process, they have the operations manuals, they have the details that ultimately make them more efficient and hopefully more profitable, never a guarantee. But I always tell businesses, you shouldn't become a franchise unless you absolutely understand what you're getting into. But you should strive to run your business as though you're going to open up 10 or 20 more locations. Because doing that every day, if you run through your mind those kinds of thoughts, it will fundamentally shift how you run your business. Now, as you're doing things that are more difficult to repeat, take more time and you got to redo, redo, redo. Now, over time, you'll start seeing the benefit of doing things or setting up your business in a way so that it can be more repeatable and expandable. And it'll make you, even if you're not a franchise business, a lot more efficient and hopefully more profitable. And it really sets it up for a, a viable situation. Do you have something that's sellable as a business should you need to? You know, at the end of the day, most business owners want to position themselves for a buyout at some point. Or some people want to position themselves to pass it on to another generation. Either way, it's going to be a smoother transition to another generation. It's going to be a much smoother transition on a buyout. And you're going to get more money if you actually have the intellectual property and if you have all the tangible efficiencies that allow somebody else to come into your system and not have to start from scratch. And so you're buying something that is operating more and more on its own, and that allows you to essentially get a higher buyout in a lot of cases. From a legal standpoint that you deal with every day, what kinds of things would a business owner not consider or not thought about from the standpoint of legal considerations before they franchise their business? Well, I find a lot of businesses don't have good documentation. And usually it's because an entrepreneur started on a dream, started, you know, maybe by him or herself. And as they got things going and got busier and busier, the focus was on managing that growth and not necessarily on getting all the ducks in a row. So a lot of times you won't have the good corporate structures. So if I'm going in and helping to turn a business into a franchise, that's one of the first things I look at is what kind of corporate setup do you have and what kind of corporate setup do you want for this franchise system? Another thing that I find is that people oftentimes don't have 
registered trademarks or they have the wrong registered trademarks. A lot of people go online and will file a trademark with the United States Patent and Trademark Office, the USPTO, and that's all well and good, but you got to be able to pick your classifications and make sure you're in the right class. I actually had a situation a couple years ago where a client came to me and he was part of a franchise system that had about 15 or 20 franchisees. And within the franchise legal documents, you have to disclose to the potential prospects what your registered marks are and how they're registered. And if they're not registered, at least, you know, where they are at in the application process. Well, this particular franchise had done two things wrong. They had registered a name that was already being used, so they didn't check it, but they were able to get it registered because they registered it in a different class And so the USPTO ultimately decided there wasn't going to be a likelihood of confusion, so they allowed it to register. The problem was when the franchise system expanded into that particular state where the other business was that had the name and had the proper registration, the franchisor had to change its name. So now it had to go through this process of requiring all of its franchisees to change their name, to rebrand themselves. And they put it on the franchisees to do that. How do you think the franchisees responded to that? <laughs> Not a popular item, and the expense <laughs> is, is horrendous. Yeah, so it's really important not just that you're registered, but that you're registered in the right way. But you see interesting things like that happen a lot where you just almost can't believe it. It's like, now, wait a minute. You guys didn't take the time to to make sure that you were registered the right way, and now they had to change their name. And the irony is they had to do it a third time. So, Josh, obviously you're an expert in this area, and I'm curious as you look forward, what do you see as the future of the franchising and licensing marketplace? I think it continues to grow. I mean, the statistics show that year over year, the franchise and licensing uh, arena generally continues to grow. I mean, it's been outpacing just traditional businesses and traditional growth with our economy over the last number of years. But I see it as in this state of steady growth, because at the end of the day, if you're a business owner, and I don't care what kind of business owner you are, if you have a successful business, there's going to come a time where you're going to have to hire people, most likely, or you're going to have to manage people, or you're going to have to bring on independent contractors, or you're going to have to do something where you are growing. I mean, it's very rare that a business just stays in one place. I mean, I like to say that you're either growing or you're dying. I mean, that sounds kind of dramatic, but it's really kind of true. It's very difficult to just stay stagnant because markets change, businesses change, customers' needs change, and so forth. And the thing that always draws people to franchising and licensing is that it provides a mechanism to add additional streams of revenue. You know, with licensing, you can run your business and offer a licensing program and really start creating recurring revenue streams, which are so important to the lifeblood of a business. Cash flow is king, right? Cash is king in a business. So I see those opportunities continuing to grow. And then on the franchise side, we are drawn to the idea of efficiencies and processes and systems. And even though a lot of entrepreneurs aren't the best people to implement those, as consumers, as clients, as customers of these businesses, we're drawn to businesses where the customer experience is consistent. You know, if I go to a restaurant 
I want to know that the burger I get is going to taste just as good every time I go there. I want to know that I'm going to experience a good, positive experience every time I go there. In a lot of instances, franchise businesses do a really good job of that. So I think for those reasons, and obviously several more, I think the prospects for franchising and licensing in the future are very, very good. Josh, thanks so much for joining us today. Learned so much about the franchising environment and what's changed, and especially on the licensing side. That was a bit of new material. Appreciate it very much for you joining us today. Hey, thank you guys. Uh, You guys are doing some great stuff there and, and thrilled to be here. Thanks. And is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, I just say if anybody wants to reach out or or learn more, my website is Indy, that's I-N-D-Y, FranchiseLaw.com. So IndyFranchiseLaw.com. There's some white papers on there. There's some guides that I think will be helpful, both if you're looking to expand your business and turn it into a franchise, but also if you're looking at buying a franchise. I do a fair amount of work with that as well. So you can get all that information from my website. And you can always email me. Josh at IndieFranchiseLaw.com. Between the two of those, I am accessible and look forward to hearing from anybody. Thanks again, Josh. Thank you. Our guest today has been Josh Brown, franchise attorney and founder of the National Law Office of Josh F. Brown. You can learn more about Josh along with links to additional information in our show notes at BusinessOwnersRadio.com. This episode has been sponsored by Aligned for Business at Aligned, the number four, business.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.